So many systems built into the covenant where debts would be forgiven um, and where uh, there was just a safety net for all people. And what happened was the, the leadership in the kingdom of Judah, they broke that covenant with God. And, and rather than um, leading the people in that way, um, the institutions and the systems that were underneath um, this entire ideology that was, being, uh, that was being put on the people through the leadership of Judah, um, it was leading to the exact opposite of what God had intended and what God wanted for the people. God's uh, a system based on the covenant um, is a system that is rooted in compassion um, and justice. And what we see in the book of Jeremiah, he calls out uh, the, the kingdom of Judah for specifically uh, ignoring the needs of the orphans and the widows that were in society, ignoring the needs of the foreigners that were among um, the Israelite people, and also for judging in an unjust way. So uh, that is sort of the, the, the context in which um, the book of Jeremiah was written. So um, God uh, raised up Jeremiah to be a prophet, to speak his truth, to speak the truth um, about God and about God's will, uh, which was um, very contradictory to the reality that had been um, established by uh, the, the leadership in Judah. So this was um, a message that was very um, challenging to the leadership, challenging to all the people, and uh, it was a message that um, people were in denial about. They didn't want to accept um, the truth and the reality that things were not the way God intended it. They didn't want to accept the reality that there were people among them um, who were struggling and who were suffering, and that this, the, the way things were was not God's will, but was actually um, in direct uh, contradiction to God's will. Especially, um, the leadership had a hard time with this message, because they uh, had their power, their privilege, um, their Basically, status in society was based on this ideology that was false, on this ideology that was not true. Um, while they were charged with leading the people in their religious life, leading people into God's presence, they had turned uh, the temple in Jerusalem into something that did the exact opposite of that. Rather than being a, a space where peace was, um, was brought to all people, it was actually a place where, where violence and terror were brought to the people. So that is sort of the, the, the larger context of what was going on. There's a lot of inequality in society, a lot of people who were struggling and suffering, and Jeremiah recognizes that. God raises Jeremiah up to speak that truth, to try to wake people up to what's really going on, and he also is delivering a very difficult message that there's going to be severe consequences for the kingdom of Judah because of the way that they had broken the covenant. So since the covenant had been broken, Jeremiah, the message he's delivering is that the kingdom of Judah is going to fall, that the kingdom's going to fall, and that the leadership in Judah is going to be exiled into the foreign land of Babylon. So Jeremiah is, is speaking this word, he's preaching this word, um, in large part through poetry that he's delivering um, publicly, and uh, starts to get to the, um, the leadership. They're starting to hear um, these words that Jeremiah is sharing, uh, these very powerful words that 
challenge their authority, that challenge um, what they have created, uh, but that is rooted in truth, in, in God's truth. But as they're in denial about this, this word and this message that Jeremiah is, is speaking and delivering, they decide they need to stop him from sharing this message. They need to keep this message um, from spreading. And so what we see in Jeremiah 20, which is the chapter that we're going to be looking at today, um, which is actually a poem, we see a moment where Jeremiah is in a very, a very dark place. So um, as he is speaking this, this prophetic, powerful message, uh, we see that the person, the religious official in the temple, who was the, the second highest um, official in the temple in Jerusalem over the whole kingdom of Judah, he's a man named Peshur. And this man named Peshur, um, he decides to inflict punishment upon Jeremiah for speaking this message of truth. And what he does is he has Jeremiah thrown into prison for a night, and he has him beaten as a penalty for speaking this message. And so um, Jeremiah now, in, in this moment, um, I, would, uh, I would hypothesize that uh, up until this point, Jeremiah's ministry was largely um, sy- systemic in nature, corporate. He was thinking about the pain and the suffering of those at the margins of society. And I, and, and I would argue that in this moment, it went from just being uh, an issue, um, a communal issue, to being a very personal issue. Because now, uh, that very same violence that he's critiquing, um, that the kingdom of Judah is inflicting upon people, is actually happening to him. So now Jeremiah himself is being tortured by the state because he's trying to speak the truth about God and God's will. So that's the situation Jeremiah finds himself in, a very uh, dark place, a very difficult place. Um, And in that moment, in that place of of deep um, physical pain, uh, deep emotional pain and emotional trauma, he writes a poem. And this poem, um, like I said, can be found in Jeremiah 20. Um, I'm just going to look at a few verses from the poem and kind of take you through uh, the progression of, um, of his words. I'm not going to touch every verse. I encourage you to um, check this, this, whole, this whole passage out because there's even uh, more in there that, that we could get into, but we'd be here all day. So I'm just going to touch on some of it. But it's in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses um, 7 to 18. So I'm going to start in verse 7. In Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 20, verse 7, Jeremiah writes, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Jeremiah feels as though God is letting him down. He feels that as he's doing what God has asked him to do, as he's walking in obedience to God, he's being met with nothing but trial as a a result. Jeremiah is hurting, he's having a hard time, but he doesn't hold back 
He doesn't hold his emotions in, but he's honest with God, and he shares with God and even accuses God of letting him down. Have any of you ever found yourself in a moment like that in your lives where you try to listen to what God is asking you to do? You try to take steps of faith and move forward in obedience, but regardless of what you do, it seems like there is never any resolution. There's just more struggle, more trial, more pain. Um, as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought about uh, um, a story from my life um, from a few years ago that I think sort of captures some of this idea. Um, several years ago, my wife Kayla and I, we decided to uh, take some time and um, go try to study and learn the, the Spanish language. Um, we felt that as members of this community, as uh, people who work in ministry, um, that in order to, to you know, be the, the best um, neighbors that we could be and, and to lead effectively, uh, we felt that God was asking us to, to step away for a bit and to go and to study Spanish. And so um, we followed God's call to that, and uh, we spent about a whole year um, in 2015 where we were out of the country, um, and most of that time was spent in Honduras, in Central America. And um, while we were there, we studied Spanish at a language institute in the afternoons. And in the morning, we worked and volunteered at this um, elementary school that was run by these um, American missionaries uh, in Honduras. And so um, the, the people that we worked for and the connection at the school was really our whole connection uh, to, to that country, to that place. They helped us get connected to the Language Institute. And we sort of worked out a situation where um, through working and volunteering at the school, they provided us with housing um, and transportation. And really, we were fully and completely dependent um, on these people just, for, just to, you know, um, make it there. And so, um, so we were down there, and things were going really well um, as far as, you know, the, at the Language Institute, studying, learning Spanish was going great. Um, we really enjoyed our time there and made a lot of uh, great relationships with, with people there. Um, but there was one sort of major challenge, and, and that was with these, um, the, the administration at the school where we worked. So we recognized pretty early on that there were some very unhealthy dynamics um, between the administration of this, this school where we worked, um, who were actually uh, these American missionaries there, um, and the, the faculty um, and staff at the school. And uh, we saw that there was a lot of sort of emotional uh, manipulation and even some man emotional and spiritual abuse that was happening. Um, it was very hard to see what was going on there, to see what the people who were working there uh, were going through. And really, it was their many of their only option um, for work, uh, to make money and provide for themselves and their families. And, um, and we also found ourselves sort of uh, dealing with some of the same things uh, that, that the people there were dealing with. And it was very hard. Um, it was hard because we felt that we were, we were right where God wanted us. We felt that we were doing exactly what he wanted us to do, but while we're being obedient to God, now we're having to deal with this major um, trial and this major struggle. And, you know, th the truth is, it, it wasn't the difference between life and death for us. We could have left and just came back um, to the States, but we didn't feel that, um, that that's what God wanted. We feel that, felt that he wanted us to stay there, 
and that we needed to endure and figure out what to do. So um, I just remembered that it led to many um, nights of um, losing sleep, nights of praying a lot and crying a lot and trying to uh, figure out how we were going to make it. And it was a difficult time, but uh, eventually things worked out for us to stay in the country um, and not have to deal with that situation. But there were several months there where we were in um, that difficult position. And that we felt that, you know, as we were obedient to God, we were stuck in a struggle. Um, I know that there are people here in church that could probably relate um, to that story or uh, to Jeremiah. And I know that there are people that, that have gone through and are going through much more difficult and um, traumatic situations in life. I know that there are people here who um, have come to New York chasing after a career, uh, pursuing a career in the arts or in another field that you feel God has asked you um, to, to enter into. And as a result, you've made the sacrifice of, of leaving family members behind, of leaving um, friends and loved ones, and you've come to a new place. And I know that oftentimes in that struggle, um, things don't go how we hope or how we envision. And there can be a, 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 lot of, um, a lot of waiting that's involved, a lot of struggling. I know there's, there's people uh, in our church that are dealing with um, disease, that are dealing with um, physical issues, health issues, um, or that have a, a, lot of, um, a lot of people with health issues in their families or in people that, you know, with, with relationships that are close to them, um, people that have experienced a lot of loss. I mean, I know that, that in those moments, those things are are so difficult, and it feels as though even though we continue to walk in obedience and we continue to pray that things don't get better, that we're still just stuck in this struggle day after day. And I know that there's people in our church who, who have come from much further away even uh, than other parts of this country and have come from other countries around the world and have come here seeking a better life, seeking a place where there is some sort of a future uh, and in a, a way and an ability to, to provide um, for yourself and for your families. And I know that that struggle is, is so real um, and can leave you constantly um, not knowing where your next rent check is going to come from or where your next meal is going to come from. Those are difficult struggles, difficult uh, struggles that are very real. They are things that uh, are not easy. And Jeremiah was going through something like that in his life. As he was trying to be obedient to what God asked him to do, he was just facing more and more trials, more and more struggles. But what Jeremiah shows us at the beginning of this poem is that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be frustrated. He shows us that we don't have to act like everything's working out that everything is, is all together. He's honest with God. He's honest with God about his pain, and he even cries out to him and asks, why? Why, God, why would you allow this to happen to me, Lord? That is how this poem starts out. And as you go through the poem, as we get a little further down in this poem about sorrow and the grief of Jeremiah, the grief of, of what he's going through, and of what's happening all throughout Judah, after he asked the question of why, we get to verse 13. And in verse 13, Jeremiah says, Sing to the Lord, 
Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Jeremiah's call to sing and to give praise to the Lord in the midst of the trials that he's going through, in the midst of what is happening all throughout Judah, is a statement of faith. It's a statement that despite the current circumstances, despite everything that is going on in his life and that is going on all around him, despite what is happening, there is a God that is bigger than all of that. There is a God that is greater than his circumstances. A God who is not only greater, but a God who stands in solidarity with those who are struggling, with those who are suffering, with those who are marginalized in society. A God who rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. To sing a song of praise when faced with these sorts of trials in life, it seems like foolishness. It doesn't seem to make any sense, especially when you look at the leadership of an empire. The leadership uh, in Judah, they minimized who God was. They minim minimized him down to a, a being that existed only to bless them and to continue to grant them their status and their power. They had no memory of God as an active agent in the world. They couldn't imagine things being any differently than the way that they were. What strength does a song have? What strength does a poem have against the weapons of the leadership of the temple? What strength does a song or a poem have against the jails in Judah, against the whips? Well, if you have a God that is dead, a God that is not active in the world, then they don't mean anything. But if you have a, a God that you believe is alive, is living and active in a world, then they mean everything. Jeremiah sang songs of praise to God in the midst of his trials. And that is what we do here each week when we come together and we worship together. We sing praises to God because we believe that God is alive. We believe that he is active in the world. We believe that he is bigger than any circumstances that we may be going through in our own lives. We believe that he is bigger than what injustices people are going through all across our city and all across our world. We believe that he is bigger than any empire, than any military, than any weapons that can be formed against us. And we sing and we pray as an act of faith. There's a, a poem that I came across uh, this last summer that um, I think beautifully summarizes uh, this idea of, of hope and faith in a God that is bigger than the world as we know it. I think we're going to have it to put on the screen as well. It's slide. There it is. Okay. The poem says, Our little systems have their day. They have their day and cease to be. 
They are but broken lights of thee, and thou, O Lord, art more than they. Just sit with that for a second. I'm going to read it one more time. Our little systems have their day. They have their day and cease to be. They are but broken lights of thee, and thou, O Lord, art more than they. While I think that this is incredibly important, and I stand by everything um, that I've said so far up to this point, I think that it's important that we also take a second to look at this from the other side. That we look at and examine the, the parallels in the kingdom of Judah, and specifically in the ideology of the leadership of that empire, to the ideology of our own empire that we live in today. Because the truth is, if we're honest about things, we are participants in a system that is unjust. And the wealth and power that has been accumulated in this empire, the land that we're standing on today, has been stolen from indigenous people groups. And the wealth has largely been built on the backs of forced labor of Afri African slaves. And this empire has been propped up through extracting resources from other countries around the world through violence and militarism, the very similar violence and militarism to what we see in the kingdom of Judah. And we have a massive system of injustice where the most vulnerable people in our society are victimized where the widows and the orphans and the foreigners among us are oppressed. We judge unjustly. And all of us, in one way or another, we benefit from and participate in this system. And I just think that it's important that we acknowledge that. I think it's important that we recognize our own complicity so that we can do everything in our own power to follow the example of Jeremiah and to live our lives in a way and to function as a church in a way that challenges these ideologies and that presents an alternative model of functioning in the world, an alternative reality, the reality that Jeremiah was preaching to the people, a reality that is defined by the character of God in his compassion and in his justice. After Jeremiah asks why, after he expresses his feelings of, of being deceived by God. And then even after that, he goes on and he sings praise to God. But that is not where the passage ends. He sings praise in the middle of this powerful prayer, this powerful poem of lament. But the passage continues into more sorrow and into more grief. In verse 14 through 18, Jeremiah writes, Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. 
May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? These words are not light. They are not easy to hear. They're a prophetic utterance by Jeremiah of how dark and how violent the times had become. They're words of truth about the deep inner turmoil of a person who is suffering. The deep turmoil of a kingdom and a nation where so many people are suffering. And this is how the passage ends. It doesn't end with praise. It doesn't end with any resolution, but it ends with deep, deep grief and sadness. Once again, I know that there are people in this church who are in one of these seasons. I know that there are people in our church who are going through difficult, difficult trials. And they cannot see how these trials are going to come to an end. They cannot see where that resolution may come from. And one of the important things I think about this, this passage and the fact that the praise comes in the middle of the passage is to see that it's okay for us to live in that tension of struggle. It's okay and it's important for us to praise God in the middle of it, but that it's also important for us to be honest. And it's okay for us to feel sad. It's okay for us to feel angry. As I was preparing for this, uh, this morning to share, it made me think about a, a close friend of mine who I feel can, can really relate to this passage, um, especially these last five verses here. Um, this friend of mine, he has experienced a tremendous amount of loss in his life as he has done everything he can to follow God, to walk in obedience to God. As he's, he's answered the call that God has given him to provide for his family, uh, to make sure that they have a, a present uh, and a future where their needs will be met, where they can live without the fear of constant violence and threat. He and his family, they left their home, Due to a literal lack of bread on the shelves, due to a literal lack of work in the economy, due to a lack of, of shelter, and they came to a place where they didn't know anyone, where they didn't know uh, the language, where they couldn't build on the professional work that they did in their home country, and they started from the bottom again and beginning to forge a new life in this place. But while they lived here in this place, they were unable to visit their families, unable to maintain those relationships at the same level that they once had them. They missed birthdays and celebrations, and they missed funerals. They missed the ability to grieve alongside their family members and their people. 
as their people were suffering deep and difficult economic hardship, political turmoil and violence. And they've had to watch from a distance as everyone suffers. And I know that their story is not unique only to them. But it's a story that many of us can relate to here. And many of the people throughout our community, throughout our city, throughout our country can relate to. Being stuck in a, in a constant place of limbo, not knowing where to call home. Being stuck in the shadows of society, unsure of what may happen tomorrow. And dealing with the constant emotional trauma that comes along with that. Life is hard. And there's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of pain in our own lives. And oftentimes it's hard to know how God is going to provide. And if we take anything away from this message today, I want us to remember not to hide. Not to hide from one another, but to be honest with ourselves, but to be honest with God about what we're going through. I think it's important that we come together, that we cry out these dark, heavy prayers of lament. That we grieve and ask for God to come and to intercede. Because even as we just struggle, even as we just fight, we demonstrate our faith that God is alive, that God is active, and that God can make a change in this world. Much of the Christianity here and throughout the world, a Christianity that, that I was raised with, is uncomfortable with these raw emotions of grief and lament. Much of the Christianity I was raised with focuses entirely on celebration and, and triumph. And while Jesus did triumph over the grave and raise back to life, first he had to die. The triumphant Christianity of Easter Sunday is important. It is one aspect of our faith that we need. We need that aspect of our faith to give us hope so that we can see a different future other than the future that we currently live in. But we also need the sorrow-fulfilled Christianity of Good Friday. Because the truth is right now, we are living between those times. We are living between Friday and Sunday. And that is a difficult place to be. But we have to learn how to deal with the things that are going on around us. We have to learn how to process these things. Not run from our pain, not stuff our pain deep down, not deny the reality and the suffering of the people around us, but we need to show empathy and compassion to one another. We need to cry and we need to grieve with each other in order to dismantle these ideologies and these systems of oppression. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, when he was executed by the state, by the religious leaders of his day, he showed the ultimate solidarity with all of us. 
As he hung on the cross, he joined all of us in our grief and in our pain. In the same death and destruction that we see all around us, that we experience every day, he felt it too. Normally when I close my sermons, I end with the resurrection. But I'm not going to do that today. Because I think that it's important that we take some time and we sit in the pain. We sit in the reality of the pain and the suffering that's all around us. We sit in the fact that God himself came to earth in the form of a man. And that man was Jesus. And that Jesus suffered and died. And Jesus, the son of God, as he hung on the cross, he cried out to God the same cry that Jeremiah expressed. He said, why, God? Why? Why have you forsaken me, God? If you are in a struggle right now, if you recognize the struggle of your fellow human beings, if you are upset, if you are angry, you can express those feelings to God. You can tell him how you feel. You can share those emotions with one another. You can even admit them to yourself. You do not have to stay in a place of denial. We have a God who is big enough to handle these things. We have a God who is bigger than all the pain that we feel, than all the pain that we see in our world today. 